The blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back. Warning. You have one hour and 16 minutes left until the end of this episode. Talking Back. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me this week is Dean. How's it going, Dean? It is going great, Tim. How are you? What's up? Uh, nothing much. No. Okay. What's um, up with you? Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, not, nothing much as well. A happy alien day to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, to you as well. Thank you. Now... We're actually a day late on Alien Day, but it's because we uh, messed up our stasis chambers. Oh, yeah. And uh, had them open up a day late by accident. Right, yeah. So we're still here a day late doing this, but we apologize that our cryo chambers were were off by one day. Yeah, we screwed up the math. I put you in charge of the math. That was a mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not great with math, math stuff. I should have ran the numbers. I smell great today. Why? Why do you smell great? I just had a shower. I, I thought the too. listeners. I oh, it, oh, really? I did just have a shower. I, me too. I felt like we. I owed it to the listeners to smell nice for them today. Yes, that is great, so Tim. I, I did that. Yeah, I was um, rocking out to some John Denver cool. before the podcast to get fired up for this. Cool. Yeah, that'll that'll fire you up, right? Yeah, yeah. John Denver definitely will fire you up. I was not rocking to John Denver. I was, I was rocking a Jerry Goldsmith and the soundtrack for Alien. Okay, that gets you. Very that gets you scared. Different, scared very to different moods. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, uh, I like your shirt. Uh, thank you, sir. LV four two six shirt on. Yeah, it's a little crossover of uh, Jurassic Park and Alien. It's got sort of the Jurassic Park logo, but uh, it's got the Alien instead of the T Rex, and instead of saying Jurassic Park, it says LV four two six. It fooled me for. Uh fraction of a second oh yeah did you think it was jurassic park and you're like what are you doing no i was like well he's wearing his jurassic park shirt i know you love jurassic park so i'm like oh well that's his shirt but it's not it's not it's definitely not a t-rex nope so what are we doing uh we're doing a comic book because we love comic books we do love comic books we're doing a very cool comic book as well a comic book called alien dead orbit Ooh, ooh, scary! It does. It's dead, Tim. It's aliens' dead orbit. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Aliens' dead orbit. But you know why you're confused? Why? Because it has the vibe of Alien. That's true. It does. It has aliens in the title, but it's vibing on Alien. Yep, it is vibing on Aliens. Now, this is a four-issue limited run published by Dark Horse Comics in 2017, so pretty recent. Now, I love this fact. It's written, illustrated, colored, and lettered by the same guy, James. Now I don't know how to pronounce this name. Is it Stoke Stoko? That's what I Stokey? say. Stoko. It could be so many different things. It could be like Stoke Stokoy Stoko Stoky Stokoy. Those are all good. We're go- <laughs> we're going with James. <laughs> so, yeah, James, you're a fan of James, right? Huge fan, man. You're a huge fan. Um, why don't you tell us about your love for James? I will, man. He is. He wrote one of my favorite comic books of the 2010s. We already mentioned it on a previous episode called Orkstain. 
he wrote it and he uh, did the art for it as well and the colors. Same thing as like he did with this book, kind of handled all the duties. Um, unbelievable artist. I just, I really find his art so interesting, so detailed. Because it's so detailed, he doesn't put out a lot of stuff. So for me, he's been like a cover artist that has been my favorite. And then anytime he comes out with a book where he's like doing the interiors, I am all over it. I, I love this guy. Like he is one of my favorite artists, hands down. Yeah, he's a Canadian boy as well. Yeah, as are we. We are, yeah. That's where we currently exist. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now, James is an avid fan of the Alien franchise. It, so I can tell. Never a bad thing. Yeah. Right. When he got the guy doing the book, he saw Aliens at the age 12, which is a really great age for that movie to see it for the first time. He uh, he said he saw that and was obviously hooked and then went back, watched the original and then went on to the sequels. Cool. So he actually first pitched an Aliens concept for this book. Um, it's it's his favorite of the series. And he wanted to do that. He wanted one of the Marines in there, right? Yeah. Who doesn't like a good group of armored Marines. But uh, Dark Horse already had a few like um, runs going with some other people. So they had uh, they had him do something different, which is fine. Yeah, it's good. It takes him out of his comfort zone a bit, I think, because when I think of an alien or aliens book and I think of James Stokoe, my mind immediately goes to Orkstein, which is like off the wall chaos like it's just action 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 because of all the detailed artwork he does so i can definitely see him doing something like crazy with the military and action and you know killing all those xenomorphs um so to pull it back and and tone it down a bit i think is a would have been a challenge for him and i think he really succeeded yes uh, i think uh, su yeah. succeeded uh yeah succeeded is a great word to use for what he did in this book now most of the reviews that I read about it. Yeah. People weren't really thrilled with it. What? They, yeah, yeah, they loved the art. General consensus was they loved the art, but the story was too generic. And what? Like they were complaining. Yeah, I know. They were complaining that it was a remake of Alien, which I mean, I thought was fine. I liked it. Now, this is what I think the problem is is that I had to read this book three times in a row to understand it. Mm hmm. I, I after my first reading, I thought I understood it. And then as I was thinking about it and went back to it a second time, I'm like, wait a second, I got a lot of things wrong in this book. Okay. And then even as I was trying to piece it together the second time, I'm like, I need to read this again because I still don't have this book together. So the positive reviews I read mostly came from people who said they read it more than once. Mm. So I think people read this one time didn't understand it yeah. and just gave it a general passing grade. But for me, this is alien storytelling at the highest level. Yep, I agree. This is, we're going to get into it, but this is how you tell an alien story. Yeah, in the comic book medium, um, exceptionally well done. Totally. But it feels like, it feels like a movie. Mm -hmm. The story, it's, it's, it's really good. So I remember this book coming out. Like I was I was amped up for it a couple of weeks before it had come out. Yeah, do you know what date it came out? Did it come out on LV426 day? You bet your ass it did. Nice. Yeah, it's so awesome. it's the, the anniversary and yeah. the, the three-year anniversary. I remember issue one was a free issue 
on Comixology and still is a free issue. Oh, cool. So any anybody listening, if you want to go get the first issue for free, you can. Now, it won't do very much for you. You'll get a bit of an idea of, of, about the book, but you definitely need to read all four of these to like absorb everything. Tim, you know who else this is a free issue for? Um, you won't know the answer. This Ripley. Is, this is a setup. R- Ripley. <laughs> no. Lieutenant Ripley. She gets free comics. No. Uh, I had a uh, I had a past podcast, and I bribed some of my friends to leave reviews on it, and I bribed them with comic books. So one of my friends got this first issue from me free for leaving a review on a past podcast. You gave it to one of your friends for free? Yeah, for leaving like a you, review you... on the podcast. You dropped the di- the free digital copy to them? No, it was actually a hard copy of the oh, issue. Okay, you actually yeah, paid yeah, for yeah. it. Oh, okay, uh, that would have been that would have been good though. If you're like, hey man, I totally bought you this expensive comic book on Comicsology. Yeah, it's in your inbox. You owe, Just you owe me one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, when I read that first issue, I wasn't really thrilled. It was okay. I wasn't blown away by it, mm. and I actually didn't continue Tim, with it. Tim. So. I, I was happy to um, to go back and, and read this in its entirety for the podcast. Yeah. Now, we've touched on it already, but the first thing that I noticed about this book was the artwork. And the level of detail is just quite simply astounding. Um, I would call it like a ultra hyper detailed style. Totally. Um, it, it reminded me of a Where's Waldo book, like with how, how much is going on. And the best way that I can describe it is to picture the intricacies of a Star Destroyer and then picture that level of detail on everything drawn in this book. Hmm. And that's that's what it is for me. Like everything is that super minute, finite detail. Like every little box has like 17 boxes within it. And then those boxes make up bigger things. And everything is just, you could use like a, a magnifying glass just to go through the art and, and get into it. But really cool. Now, not my most favorite style of art, but I really respect the effort that goes into this type of style. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of what was going on with the Space Punisher. Okay. Very different. Our, our, our first episode. Yeah. Remember that? Way I back do remember. then? Yeah. Um, anyways, Mark Teixeira, his style was like this um, kind of realistic painted style. And we talked about his his process for that and how many different things he had to go through and because it was so time consuming that was a four issue run as well just like this one so i think with the amount of effort that goes into the art these stories have remained a little bit shorter oh yeah that makes sense like that definitely makes sense to me for stoko like having just a short run um because of the amount of detail that goes into it so yeah that totally makes sense for space space punisher yeah and then one other thing I wanted to say was that he purposefully left pencil lines and smudges in the book to give it a dirtier, grittier feel. Yeah. Which is really neat. And I, I love I love like the way that he would do that because it's part of your process anyways, is to do pencils first, right? And to actually save yourself a step by not cleaning that all up mm. and leaving it, you're actually saving yourself time, but you're adding to the book itself. So I really appreciate that. Smart that's smart comic booking. Well done. Well done, James. Yeah. Good job, James. Uh yeah. What do you want to say? Uh I want to say I want to say I love this book. Um 
I want to say that when this came out, because you talked about when this came out, so I'm going to talk about when this came out. I was big into, you know, reading a lot of comic books at that time. And you put Alien on a comic book that's coming out and it's going to be new. I'm all over it right away. Like Alien's my favorite movie, right? So I just love the world. I'm going to read something that's alien and new. And then you put James Stokoe connected to that. And I'm already like, my radar's already going off anytime his name is on a book because I love him so much and I just want to read everything that he does. So this was like jackpot for me. I was so stoked. I was so stokoed for this one. Oh, yep, you were. I was. And so I, I and just opening it up and I, I like to take my time with his comics because they're so detailed. And I think that really plays uh, a big factor in this book because when I take a number of minutes just to get through the first couple pages, I think it really adds to this story and really creates that alien feel. Um, so we can get into it, but like I, I could talk about these first three pages for 15 minutes. That seems excessive. Well, uh, fine. Can you summarize it? Great. It's so good. <laughs> it's slow. <laughs> Um, takes its time. Okay, well, well, here, here we go. I'll start the story off, and then you say what you need to say Wait. about the first three pages. Okay, we got to start at the cover, though. Okay. Let's start at the cover of the first one, because what I first notice when I look at it is it's like it's like the xenomorph, and um, it's like his organic kind of face, and then it fades away into the back of his head, and it becomes all sort of machine, right? And it's like chunks of him are breaking off and becoming metallic, and that's like what hr giger does right he he mixes the biology with the mechanical and that's just his style of art and so when i look at the cover right away i know right away he gets it i know stoko gets it and he's going to do what he can in his style to try to make this type of story that's a really great point because as we get right into the story here we're on a wayland yutani fuel station and the very first text that we see on that opening page, I feel like he also gets it story-wise. He understands the universe. The first few things I read, I, I know that I'm going to appreciate this. And all it is, is a technical breakdown of the station. It's the station name, the function of the station, the weight class in tons, which is like something that you always see. They always break down the ship in like the weight in tons. Definitely. Which means nothing to me because it's always in the millions and tens of millions, but they always do it. This one was 1.2 million, just for those uber nerds out there who it means something to. And then the crew complement and its galactic position. So all this information, usually when I see this, I just kind of like hone in on how many crew members there are. And that's what that's what I need to know. Right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was like, going to say. Whatever. All I look at in there is I look at the crew members and... What I think, so he, he's putting that box in, telling you all that stuff, telling you the crew members, and then he's really smart on the first page because the page that he tells you the crew members, he also shows you the station from pretty far away. Then he does sort of a cinematic like zoom up to the observation deck so that now you know the size of the station. You know that there's six people on really this giant station. It's humongous. Yeah. It's fucking enormous. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's like 10, 20 city blocks or something like that. It's, oh, yeah. It's massive. Oh, yeah, for it's, sure. It's huge. Yeah. 
You, you I can, love that. You I can love that. Barely see the observation deck when you're zoomed out, and then he gets like closer to it, and it's still it's still like pretty far away, but you can actually see the windows of the observation deck, and then the next panel we're in it. And so you just know that this is a huge station for six people to be on. If this is an alien comic, there's a lot of room for that alien to run around and do whatever he needs to do. Exactly. And that's immediately where my imagination starts yeah. to go to. I'm like, ooh, this would be scary. Yeah, so it's brilliant. <laughs> first page that. is brilliant. Everything in that first page is is there for a reason and gets and sucks me right in. Sucks me right into yeah, the that, mood like, and the vibe. It's an ongoing theme in this comic is I think like every page matters. It's such a tight story yeah. to cover in four issues that everything, there's something on every page. It's really neat. And there's like stuff floating around the station. That's what I was going to say. There's d some debris floating around. Yeah. So it looks damaged, right? It looks like it's been damaged by something, but we don't know. We don't know what. I know what. You know what? Well, you read it yeah. already, yeah. but you, you didn't know what when you read it the first time. No. Well, I wanted to ask you, did you read this right when it came out? Yeah. I mean, you, basically, I would imagine you did because you just were gushing over James. Yeah, I read it, I read it right when it came out, um, each issue, read them all, and then uh, hadn't reread it until preparing for this podcast. So it was a, a three-year gap for me. Cool. And did you only read it the one time yes. to prep? Oh, for yeah. prep? No, I read it twice. Okay. So we've each read it three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we see a crew member... Wasilewski in a chair, sitting in a chair, and an alarm goes off. Yes. It says, danger, threshold reached, four hours and three minutes, immediate attention required. Yeah. And it looks like he's out of cigarettes. Tim, Tim, Tim. Another he great- a lot of cigarettes. Another great two pages here. You're trying to fly through these two pages. I told you, give me 15 minutes here. What, are, what page are we on? <laughs> two now. <laughs> Two? Okay, so we're still within the 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're here. good. Now. Well, like you went past it. You're done page three, but I'm just going to take us back to the first panel on page two. Okay, go ahead. Where the dude's just sitting in the chair and he's like, it's it's alien again because he's surrounded by like CRT monitors. He's It's a mess there. Like it's it's all this old school technology. Nothing really looks like it's, you know, pristine. There's just the dead of space outside the window. Um, and then his face is lit up with a glow. I love this. I love this just shot on his face, which was dark. We knew there was nothing there. Boom, it glows. So he's got something to look at. He looks at the screen and the screen says, attention. Great. Something's happening. You know, we, we've seen this before in the movies. Let's get our attention to it. What is it? Well, he goes straight for his cigarettes and they're empty. And you see the ashtray and they're full of cigarettes. How long? I don't think you could fit another cigarette into that ashtray. No. You, not, not a one. You couldn't. And he doesn't have one to fit in there. He's empty. How long has this alarm been going off? And he's just sat there and lit another cigarette. He's just sat there oh. and looked at it, taken mm. a cigarette and lit it and sat back in his chair. That's what I wonder. Uh, I hadn't considered that. Because then he throws, he crunches up the, the package, he throws it and he goes. So in my head right away, I'm thinking... I think this has warned him many times before, and he's just been like, fuck it, I'm having a cigarette. I'm not dealing with this. Hmm. Interesting. And we never really find out what that warning was all about, do we? No, we don't. don't tell us that. So. Yeah, we no, don't so really. It's, it's, it's interesting. Just, we, we just know there's a countdown clock. Yeah, it, it's part of like the general um, like dynamic of the story just to 
make us feel like there's an urgency to things. Yeah. But but it, it so it works in that way, but it never really amounts to much. It, it in a small way when we get to the end, it does amount to something. Yeah. But it's you never really find out like what that warning was all about. Not the warning, but we do get to a point where I'm gonna call him Wazi, when Wazi gets into this room, when he gets into the observation deck, we we do get told right up to that point. And so seeing what happened right up to that point when he got into this observation deck, I do believe that he has just been ignoring that warning and smoking as many cigarettes as he has. So Wasi, I guess, finally decides to put on a spacesuit and steps outside. And then he looks over and there's a ship in the distance. Yeah. And then we get a panel that says, before. Yeah. So it looks like we're going to be flashing back and forth from an earlier time to present time in this book. And I, li- I like flashback stories. They're fun. Y- you usually get like a pretty good payoff at the end of a flashback story. Totally. So I'm down. I'm on board. I think especially when they're doing a slow setup. Like this this book is going to move slow at the beginning. So having a flashback that's going to give us, you know, some some characters and it's going to give us a setup of how we got here, I think helps speed it along a bit. Yeah. As I'm reading here, we're only a few pages in. But the lettering over those first few pages starts to bother me. Okay. Because it's it's not your traditional, neat, like computer done um lettering. James did it by hand. Yeah. So it's all it's all organic. But the more that I'm reading it, the more I like it because I feel like I can actually hear these voices of the people because it looks real, like it looks alive. And yeah, after a few pages, it actually works for me, and I never notice it again. Yeah, Tim, I never even really thought of this before, but um, yeah, a lot of their when they when they say things at certain levels, um, it looks different. Like the writing looks different, and if we were to see each other's speech, we we would see something different. I like I think if you could see sound waves or whatever, we would we would see something different coming out from both our mouths. So that kind of makes sense. Now the ship that they're on. It's basically your classic original alien looking ship. I don't want to call it a piece of shit because when it left space dock, it was probably like a cutting edge ship, but it's just, it's not your clean, sophisticated looking vessel. It's your classic, like gritty, old, you know, dirty looking ship that you it's a, see in, in a lot of alien movies. Yeah. It's a working ship. Like it, it's a, it's, it's not like this pristine ship that's carrying passengers from one, like, vacation to the next like this is a a working vessel and and it doesn't really yeah it looks a little worn down it looks like they live in it and looks like they work in it and they it's been around for a while yeah so uh now we kind of meet uh the the crew the rest of the crew now we have wasi we've got rook torrenson park dr harrow nicholas and captain hassan now, the crew are all together. They're trying to contact that other vessel, but there's no response. They enjoy a nice cup of coffee here as well. I always love that. Like when they kind of- I know. When they come to come together at the beginning of a movie to like look into some sort of issue that's happening, they're always enjoying some hot coffee. Yes. Um, they, they call it the sweet nectar of life. Yes. Dean, do you love coffee? I love coffee. I love the sweet nectar of life. Oh, dude. I love coffee too. I love I have, it, man. Uh, definitely have one or two cups every day i always think of uh big trouble in little china when i think of coffee i don't know why but i always think of it when he says black blood of the earth oh yeah i was like that's coffee man coffee's the black blood of the earth 
I wonder if Jack Burton smells like coffee first thing in the morning. I don't think so, Tim. No? No. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. <laughs> I think he smells like beer first thing in the morning. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Another beverage, another fine beverage that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, yeah, so anyways, these uh, the crew, they're able to pull up some information about this other ship. And they find out um, it's also pretty massive, but only has a, a crew complement of eight. Now, I just thought of something here. Yeah, yeah. The crew complement on their ship said six, right? Yeah. So why why do I have why do I have seven names? Because Rook is Nicholas. Oh, okay. They call him Rook because he's the rookie. Okay. Okay. Good. Nicholas, I'm gonna cross his name off then because that's a double, a dubla, a dubla. Ah, dubla. Right. I like, I like where they introduce Rook because, like, when they're just calling him Rookie, uh, because at at that page, they're they're sort of uh, questioning whether he like knows what's actually going on. Like he's the he's the communication officer, and Wazi is kind of poking jabs at him and being like ah all the equipment's fine maybe it's your communication officer that that's no good and then they're like oh yeah rook and then they call him rook and i just kind of pick up oh you know what this guy's probably like he's a rookie like he's probably new on the ship and he doesn't really know much yeah so this other ship complement of eight so again it's this super tiny crew on a really large ship yeah now this i mean it's definitely an ongoing thing in in the alien universe is there's always a small crew complement for the most part. Yeah. I can't can't really think of very many ships that have a bunch of people on it, right? Like you've got in Alien Covenant there's a ship with thousands of people yeah. but they're all in stasis, yeah. right? Small crew. Um Alien Resurrection I think that's more of a space station they're on when they're with the army guys. There's probably a bunch of people there, but whenever there's a ship, it's just always just a handful of people. Yeah. Um, obviously, it it fits better for the alien type of movie to have less people on a space spaceship, right? So and I think it just, makes, I love the consistency. Yeah, I think it makes sense for like a working style ship. Yeah, it does. Yeah, for sure. So this was a bit weird. Five of the six crew members take a shuttle over to this other ship. Yeah, that just seemed a bit odd to me. Like, I I don't that didn't seem realistic to me. It, it didn't seem to me that that large percent of the crew were all just going to go over there and they don't know what this is. I thought you know you might send two people, right, and they could report back. But sending everybody except one person, that that I didn't quite buy into. Yeah, I get it. I I was thinking that too when I was reading it. Um, I didn't realize that all five were going until they were just there talking back at only rook back at the the main ship and i was like oh really like he's the only one staying back i feel he's the rookie yeah yeah i feel like you got you got six maybe go three over there three stay back but they didn't know what they were getting into and they didn't want to be uh i guess overpowered by the eight that are there so i don't know they sent all five yeah so they get to the ship and one of their crew sees acid burns through the bulkhead we all know what that means, but they don't. It's bad. They lo- it's bad. Usually bad, bad news. They locate some, uh, they locate some crew members in stasis. You have two males and a female and the males are twins. Yeah. And another, another introduction to a new ship 
where I, I feel the alien vibe where it's just like you get on this new ship and there's like a giant hole blown out of the side. Like even before the acid burns, there was a giant hole blown out. So they walk onto the ship and there's just outer space beside them. So you're like, okay, something happened here. Um, but they do know where the people are because they knew that they were probably in, in stasis. So they're going to go check that out. And yeah, they see they see three in there. Yeah, they pulled up um, heat signatures. Yeah. When, when they were on their ship, they pulled up the heat signatures of the other ship. Oh, I just, when I heard that though, I just thought, oh, that's got to be like the generators or the furnaces or something. And that's where all the aliens are waiting for them. I just got that, I got that vibe and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But that, it turned out not to be that. It was just the, these stasis pods. Yeah, this was actually surprising that there was three people in stasis. I like um, like I'll obviously get to it, but I like where this book is going. I, I think this is something that hasn't been done in the movies and I think is a pretty cool idea um, why they're in stasis right now. I'll let you get to that because I'm not totally sure what you're talking about. Okay, so, I will get to it when we get um, to it. So they decide they're going to wake the crew members up from stasis. Seems logical, mm -hmm. but something goes wrong and the stasis tubes start filling up with coolant and the, the crews, they're like frantically trying to um, get these uh, tubes to open up, yeah. but they won't. So they have to smash them open a uh, very like frantic time because the, the bodies in the stasis chambers, you can see them like pounding and trying to get out. Totally. And they're freaking the fuck out. And they finally smash these things open and these people come like like just like just kind of like slumping out. Yeah. And the skin has been melted completely off of their entire bodies. Yeah. You have three people with no skin. So this is this is to the max. Yeah, it, right it's here, to the max. It's disgusting. Is. It's hundred percent. It's 100% disgusting. Yeah, this is a this is a great time to kind of learn more about our characters too, because we saw them in a calm situation where almost all of them are sort of very knowledgeable and uh, know what they're getting getting themselves into. And then they come to this three people in, in stasis and you can see the captain just being like, nope, we got to do it. Like, I know you're warning me that we're not supposed to do it, but like, what are we going to do? We're not leaving three people here. Um, and we're not taking these, uh, cryo freeze, um, chambers back with us. So we're opening it and that's what we're doing. So you don't have to tell me anything. You don't have to tell me how dangerous it is. I know. And then things yep. start like going wrong and everyone starts freaking out. And I like to see that who, who of our characters are freaking out, which ones are remaining calm, which ones are taking action. And it's nice. I, this is where it's nice for me to see that there are all five of them there because we get to see them all under pressure, um, like without Rook there, but seeing like five of them under pressure and seeing how everyone's acting. Yeah, definitely. And and Wasi, he seems to be the one who reacts the slowest to things, which supports your comment about the, at the beginning about him maybe not really paying attention to that alarm right away totally yeah because i i hadn't considered that but that is his character style in this book for for a while at least so that's a good good pickup on that so they race these three people back to their ship because that's the only way they can try to save their lives is to get them back to their ship where they can help them now we get um a flash forward here at the very beginning i think we are in let's just call it for lack of a better term the future then these things that had just happened are current timeline and now we're flashing back to the future okay right you with me i'm with you i would have went okay. current and past current yeah sure let's do that then okay. current and past yeah okay that, that makes more sense so we're back to current now 
we're back to we were in the current yeah yeah okay current which is the future <laughs> yeah <laughs> current which we, is the future and past like, is current so we were yeah. in the past which was current but now we're in current which was future yeah okay and now we now have nobody listening <laughs> now that anymore. we're straight now that we're straight on everybody's that. turned it off <laughs> yeah so we're dealing with the present and the past and now we're in the present and we're just in the past should we keep going? Uh, I don't know. I think we shut it down now. <laughs> I think that's good. That's enough content <laughs> okay. for LV426. What I will say, though, is they give us visual cues as to when they're going past and present. Right? Definitely. They always, definitely. They always start the present by showing you the ship has been damaged. Yeah. That their ship is damaged. And in some of in the in the past, their ship is intact. Yeah. So it does take a bit to pick up on, though, because... That's not something that I was really focusing on going through this book. I wasn't really focusing on every little like splash page that had the ship on Interesting, it. Interesting, yeah. Um, but it it is that is a cue. An- another cue. I don't know if you picked up on in the present. It's a blue tinge to the pages, and in the past, it's an orange tinge. Yeah, this is what so, I was just going to say because there's going to be uh, an issue coming up where they are happening at the same time, and it is yeah, very crucial so cool. that you know that blue tint is in the present. And the orange is in the past. Yeah. And that's what I think you get when you have, you know, someone who has total control on everything they're doing in the book. Like they can easily plot out these types of things and think, okay, how am I going to make the dif- differentiation between the past and the present? Oh, I'll do it with color. Um, so like you can, you can obviously have those discussions with people. It's not that you can only do it if you control everything on the book. You can work with the team and work that out. But I think it's it's a better vision in one person's mind where when they're thinking of the story and thinking, oh, I'm going to have to be able to differentiate. Let's do it with color. Yeah. Rather than saying, continuing to say before, yeah, uh, before or present, before, present. Like do, do, they do it one time. He says, say he gives us that one page of saying before yeah. so that we immediately know um, that it's like a flashback and you cue into it because of that. Yeah. But I agree with his decision here. It would have got annoying if it was just before, current, before, current. So instead, he just takes other visual cues, um, not words, that you can pick up on to understand yourself without being told like what timeline you're in. Yeah. And this is this was my struggle of needing to read it three times, is I didn't really pick up on it the first time. The second time I picked up on it, but couldn't actually follow along with all of the changes. Yeah. Because he does he does such a good job at fooling you. Like he's trying to fool you into thinking this is one congruent story, and it it plays out and reads that way. Totally. Like you could like I did the first time I read it. I'm like that's a cool story. Yeah. But if you kind of analyze it a little bit, there are you know these two different timelines intertwining with each other. Yeah. At the same time, and it's very, very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. When when we get to that issue where it's happening at the same time, it's very neat, but you need to know what you're looking at. Um, I, I think it's very cinematic, actually. I think like even it is. I, I just started out with the first page of how it zoomed into the observation deck, and that's something they do in movies, just show you how big something is. And I think this visual cue thing of when we're in the present and when we're in the past is definitely a cinematic thing. Um, where sometimes you're watching a movie and the only cue that you change to the past is like someone's hairstyle is different. And like, that's all you're going to get is that they have, you know, shorter hair now. Um, and so I like it. I, I It really reads like a movie to me. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. So we're in the present here with Wasi and he's just come back from a spacewalk. He comes in, takes his helmet off. 
and he hears a hissing. Mm. And it's done really well that they have this equipment at the end of the hall that's yeah. hissing, and it looks just like an alien. Yes. And he's like shitting his pants. But as he gets a little bit closer, you can see that it is just like machinery kind of in the shape of an alien. But then an alien actually does climb out from behind that, which is pretty neat. Well, not right away, though. Right? Like right away, it's he sees the machinery and then he like gets excited that he kind of laughs that he yep. he got himself scared. And then I think a hose just kind of ruptures hose pops yeah it yeah. pops and then so it's all gas everywhere and he goes running away because he's afraid of the gas but then the alien right. kind of comes out of that gas comes out of there yeah so he yeah. still thinks mm -hmm. he might be like it might be a trick on his mind um yeah and what i really like about him being afraid of just the equipment hissing is that we know now he knows what an alien is we didn't really know that up till now right like he has seen one before and he's afraid of it I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. I didn't pick up on that, though, when I was reading it. Okay. You know, I, I thought he was there for a reason, and he was scared because he just saw these, like, burning bodies, these people's skin burning off, and he had to go do something, and obviously he was scared as he's on, like, a dark ship and didn't know what was going on. Right. So I didn't – I read it a little bit of a different way um, the first time. Right. You know, on the right. rereads, re I'm with you. I read it that other way. Yeah, just seeing him be so, like, shitting his pants, just seeing that hissing, it's like, oh, something went down, because he's seen this thing before. Yeah, so we're 20 pages in, and this is where we get to see the alien for the first time. And, damn, it's a good-looking alien, hey? Looks great, like, man. James's art style really works well for an alien. And even just, like, so that page that the alien's on, even just the detail in, like, the smoke, like, that gas that's coming from behind him, like, all those lines and details... It's incredible. This is what I love about his artwork is I can just stare at it for minutes and look at all the little things he put into it. Did we only just finish issue one, Tim? We did. Yeah, that's issue okay, one. Okay, good. We're taking the appropriate amount of time. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're slowing it right down. I skipped like three panels just earlier and you're like, well, no, he didn't. The alien didn't just come out. A hose burst. Yeah. Tim, you're and missing, you're missing all, the, like, all the crucial wow, points here. That's that's unlike you. This is very, that's that's more like me to kind of focus in on <laughs> lots of individual panels and you to try to give the ending away right away. Right, but, right. I'm not giving this one away. No, I appreciate what you're doing yeah, here man. so far. <laughs> got to break this down, uh, man. This is my artist. We got to say I know. what he's doing. I know. So I'm wondering how do we... How, what's the best way to break this down for the listeners? Do we just keep going with like um, present to past or do we try to give a bit of information about the timelines of these two things that are happening? Kind of lost yeah, for what to do. I, it's, it's a it's very, it, it can be a very confusing story. Yeah. I wanted to break down that first issue pretty slowly because I think that's what sets the feel for it. Um, Definitely. And it is like why Alien is my favorite movie is because of the feel that I get it's like the atmosphere it creates um, and just no other movie kind of pulls me into that kind of mood like it does so I think this comic does that the same way so I wanted to break down that first issue I don't think for carrying on it has to be like that well here, okay here's what I would like to say then is that this book we're basically following these two storylines the first storyline is the entire crew learning and encountering the alien yeah and this other story running congruently with it is Wasi, who's kind of like the last survivor on the ship, trying to defeat them by himself. Yeah. 
and they're crisscrossing these stories with each other. And since Wasi exists in both both of these stories and timelines, it can be difficult at times to understand which Wasi you're looking at, right? Other than these visual cues, but if you don't pick up on them, you can kind of like lose it, you know? Yeah. So you know what? Why don't why don't we keep walking through it? Because then if someone's read this and is kind of confused by it, we can maybe clear things up. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it would be um, a good thing just to kind of break that. For sure. That part out. So we're, we're back to the past now. And um, the crew are doing a bit of investigation into this other ship now and why it's there. So the, the crew's back on their ship. They've got these three melted skin fuckers over on their ship and they're just trying to figure out what was going on with this other ship yeah now these i don't even know what to call these people like i've got so many terms for them skin fuckers was pretty good skin (laughs) skin fuckers skinless skinless fuckers skinless fuckers if you have anything else i'd throw it out there i've got literally got the i was calling them living dead people in my head for a while okay that's not bad like it's it's crazy. Um, I love this part because they're uh, they're they're talking to the doctor who's like having to deal with this insane situation. Like I, I can't even imagine any doctor having to deal with this. You have you literally have three bodies with no skin, and the doctor's so stressed. He's all sweaty and just like trying to do all the things like the IVs and all that. And the captain asks if they've told him anything, and he just immediately like screams and lights up the captain. He's like he's just screaming. He's like. Two of them haven't got any fucking lips. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like, what do you think they're going to be telling me? He's like, they're all sedated. Their faces have been melted off. He's like, fuck off. Yeah, Captain comes it's in. Really have they told yeah. you anything what, yet? Have they do told you, know? you anything? What have they, what have they told you? <laughs> it's Yeah, I love the doctor in that in that moment. Like, he's a, he's kind of a great guy. Um, he's got to deal, with, he's like, gotta like deal with these bodies. And like, what what is this? I love the amount of, what do you like do? you said, the amount of sweat that's coming off him. Another thing... That is like great about Alien. They just let those characters sweat. So here you get the sweaty doctor. Why wouldn't he be sweaty, man? He's running around on these, like trying to do work on these three bodies who have no skin on them. Impossible scenario. He's not worried about talking to them. He's worried about keeping them alive. Yeah. So then it happens. It finally happens. We get a chest burster coming out of one of the um, skin, one of the skinless. And yeah, this is this man. is insane. It was so good. Like, I think it's the most disgusting burst I've ever seen. Oh, for sure. In any, like, format. It was so well done. Like, I really feel like James was trying to recapture that very first chestburster seat in Alien. He was trying to recapture that, but then, like, put his own twist on it. That is exactly what it looks like. That is exactly what it feels like. They even look like they're moving like that first chestburster moved in Alien. Like it's it's, yeah. it's hard to really tell how they're moving in a comic book, but I feel like they're posing in the same way that that chest burster would run away, and they're bursting through the chest in like kind of this the same uh, motion straight upwards with all the blood splattering. It's amazing. I love it. It's so gross. Lots of blood. So then, um, an interesting thing happens is that a second chest burster comes out of the other one. Now, these two aliens. This is very cool. These two fresh aliens end up on the floor together like side by side oh yeah 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 and we've never we've never seen this before and they just kind of like look at each other and they both take off like they immediately know they got the same programming they know exactly what's going on and they're gone Um, but this is a really neat idea 
is that those two bodies that these aliens came out of, they were twins. Yeah. So these two aliens are essentially twins. Oh, I never thought of that. Isn't that cool? That is cool because that's exactly what the alien is doing, right? It's like like the the face huggers planting its egg in you and then the alien, the chestburster comes out with something of you like something of the organ it was just in right yeah Uh, something of the body it was just in so yeah these two aliens are twins that's insane i never thought of that yeah i really like i really really like that idea that's cool uh back to the present where we're with wasi on the ship now he's searching for this box and we learn like later what's in it but basically there's explosives in it so it's this this box he keeps looking for he sees the box and he starts going for it, but a hull breach occurs and he has to deal with it. He gets um, knocked out in the process. And when he wakes up, he sees the two aliens and one of them is dragging him. Yeah. Oh, man. Imagine waking up to that. That is terrifying. Like, talk about all time worst wake ups. That's that's like terrifying in in this part of the comic because I'm really not expecting that. I'm really not expecting them to be dragging him away. Like there's there in that part where like kind of the ship blows off and there's a hole in the ship. He's getting sucked back. He's trying to hold on. And I kind of at this point, I'm not 100% sure about him. I'm not 100% sure if he just wants to like die or if he really just wants to keep on going. Um, and then he he kind of closes the blast doors. So I'm like, OK, something in him is like, OK, I still want to keep living. I got to I'm not going to get sucked out into space. That's a bad way to go. And then he, yeah, collapses and these aliens drag him off. I'm like, what well, What now? Where are we going from here? Well, we go where we always go when an alien drags a person off. They stick him up on a wall right. like they like to do. <laughs> right. So he's up there and we see that the captain is beside him. Yeah. Now, Wasi looks at his watch at this point and we see that he's got like the countdown timer on his watch. Yeah. And it's down to two hours. Yeah. So he's been out for about two hours. Yeah. So, I mean, in in my mind, all that really does for me is it tells me we're about maybe halfway through the story, I'm thinking. Yeah, good point. We started with four hours something. Now we're at two hours. Yeah. Now to the past, we see the alien now full size because what we had just seen in the past were these two baby aliens running off. Right. Now, the very next scene of the past is a f- the alien is full size, comes out of a vent, grabs the captain, and hauls him away through an air duct. So it's very interesting. This is, this is you can kind of see where it can get confusing because here we have three scene changes. We have the baby aliens. Then we have Wasi being taken by a full size alien being put up on the wall beside the captain. Then the very next thing that happens is you see the captain getting taken. Yeah. So it's very like a very disjointed story that if you don't stop to process, you'll just kind of speed past it and and say to yourself, hmm, I didn't really understand that, but I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. One important thing to pick up is that whenever we flash to the past, it's in Wazi's head. It's what he's remembering. So he always gets cued by something in the present to remember something that happened in the past. So he saw the captain and that made him remember when the captain got taken away because that was the last time he saw him. And so, yeah, he was getting he just saw the captain being pulled into the vent and he was like, what the fuck? Where'd the captain go? And now he's sitting right next to him, like but plastered to the wall right next to him. So he knows what had happened to the captain. Yep. So the crew are trying to figure out what to do. They think the best idea is to take the shuttle back 
to the other ship and wait for help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they want they they want to leave their their ship because the aliens have berthed on their ship. They want to take a shuttle to the other ship and go and wait. Now that's gonna that's gonna be a fucking mistake, Tim, because we know that that ship had eight people on it and they only saw three of them. Yeah, they make a point of saying, like, what happened to the other five? Exactly. Really so knows. you and I know there is something else on that other ship. Don't go to it. Right. We go to check on the third burn victim who is awake. And when we get to the like emergency room they're in, this the skinless wonder is holding a knife to the doctor's throat. And she basically tells us that the people were infected and frozen on purpose. Yeah. Right. And like, why, why did you open us up? Why did you open us up? And she ends up seeing the two corpses where the chest bursters came out. And she just fucking slices the doctor's throat like 60% of the way through. Oh, yeah. Like more than half. It's such a deep cut. It's a deep cut, man. It was that was shocking. That was I was shock- not yeah. expecting that she, at all. She was very upset and she saw what had happened. She saw that they they basically went against basically something happened that they didn't want to. They went into those cryo chambers, I think, because they didn't want those chest bursters to come out. So right. when she saw what happened, she saw what the crew did and took out those twins and now their chests are open. She lost it. Slit that yeah. guy's throat. Yeah. So, I, so is that what you wanted to say about yeah, the yeah? I think what, this is this is what I, I kind of made up a story in my head for what was happening because I think that's what we're we're supposed to do with this. Um, so what is it? So it's so there's eight. There was eight crew members. I think they saw what happened to one of them. They saw that an alien burst out of his chest, and so then when these twins and probably this woman too got face huggers on them as well. I think they sent them into the cryo uh, stasis so that they those chest bursters wouldn't burst out and those aliens wouldn't be on the ship. And they were trying to save the rest of the crew by putting them in those chambers. But like the rest of the crew obviously didn't survive. But I think that was that was probably what the plan was for the rest of the crew. See, it seems pretty standard that that's what they would do, right? Yeah, it. I, I think like it's a good idea if you have, say, there's three of you that you know are infected and you've seen what's happened and there's three left, you're going to be like, okay, how can we not, how can we not kill you with what's in our body? They go into cryo sleep and hopefully those three are going to survive. Like the left, the, hopefully like the three that are left over are going to survive. I think they were going there to save them. Like they right. went into like the you're cryo just, you're hoping to save the, whoever was still living. I don't think they were the last three people and they went into cryo sleep. I think there the was time, still yeah. a whole crew except maybe minus one or two. And so they were trying to save the remainder of the people on the ship. Mm. Right. Okay. And then the, the hope is always that like, we'll put them, we'll freeze them in stasis. And then hopefully we can get to like a medical facility that can deal with this and help them out. Yeah. And it could be also that they just don't want more of these creatures in the world. So if they go into cryo sleep, maybe that creature will never come out of them. They know they're dead already. They've they've obviously seen what's happened. They know they're dead already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that woman's pissed yeah. off because there's two more in the world now. Yeah, I just I have trouble accepting that they would just put these people in stasis, even though that's something that kind of has happened in the world before. They just will freeze somebody hoping that this this alien won't come out but um i think you're right that that probably is most likely what happened yeah 
So the um, the corpse bride runs off after killing the doctor. That's a good one. And... I like that one. <laughs> and she's, uh, I think she's got the same idea that uh, that they have, and it's to get get the fuck off the ship. It's a good so, idea. Yeah, she she gets to the shuttle first. Unfortunately, I don't think she knows what she's doing. She definitely does not. She, she doesn't detach the umbilical cord that the shuttle has attached to the main ship. And she just takes off with the shuttle. It starts flying. The cords lock. They rip off. Her and the little shuttle get spun around. She heads right back towards the ship and smashes into the side of the ship. And the ship explodes. And we get to see like this damage to the ship now. Yeah. So we we now know that this is how the ship got damaged. Totally. Yeah. I love when a frantic human makes things way worse. <laughs> you know when there's like when there's like an alien running about there's some sort of monster trying to kill everyone and a frantic human makes things so much worse yeah if you still want to call her a human yeah sorry yeah a a frantic corpse bride or what was was the one before skinless wonder (laughs) yeah i don't uh the skinless (laughs) the scattered i don't even know what they were (laughs) (laughs) now we're back to the present uh, with Wasi up on the wall. He's stuck there beside the captain. Now the aliens are coming for him, but he hears someone talking and laughing. Yeah. He hears someone saying hello and then laughter. And the aliens, uh, the two of them, they go to investigate this and he's able to break free out of the wall. And he has that box that he was looking for now. Now he's got it like taped around his chest. Yeah. But he also starts to follow the voice and he finds Torrenson. Yeah, this voice always gets me. Every time I've read it, I forget who is like oh, really? I forget who's in the ship calling. Every time, even this third time that I read it right before the show today. You're like, who's that? Guy? I was like, wait, who's still alive? Who's who's yelling <laughs> at them? Yeah. Well, Torrenson d- decided to do what every, you know, one of us would do, and he just decided to go hide somewhere and get drunk. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you gotta do. That's that's the that's the play. Here. Oh, for sure. And actually, Wazi wanted to do that earlier. But That's the, right, the captain did, yeah. stopped him from doing that. So Wazi had the idea first, and then captain stopped him, then shit hit the fan, and that's when Torrenson's like, that was a great idea. I'm going to do it. Yeah, so he he clearly, like, he checked out. I think he, he lost his mind in, in the process, too, because he's not all there. He's not just drunk. He's not all there anymore. Yeah, he's one of the frantic humans as well. Right. Now, he starts to get really loud, and... That's a bad idea. And the alien appears behind him and just, I mean, it's obvious he's going to get killed. And then, you know, the the mouth inside the mouth comes out and bursts through his head and kills him. Cool. But now we're down to 59 minutes left in the countdown. Right. And the ship is um, like continuing to explode in all these different areas from that uh, shuttle impact. Now, this is, I think, the part you were mentioning before where these two timelines intersect here. Like, there's a scene with Wasi, Torrenson, and Park from the past. And in the same panel, Wasi from the present is, like, running past. He's, like, running past them. So if you don't really pay attention, I mean, it, it looks like one scene. It looks like, and yeah, it looks like Wasi is just running. And then he's with them, and then he's running away. It's it's because they're part of the same panel. That's what makes it really confusing. You really yeah, it's have in to the pick, same panel. It's in the same panel, you really have to pick up on the color here. That blue is in the present, orange is in the past, because 
yeah, there's nothing to distinguish them other than that. They are taking place in the same panel. Right. And knowing that, it's such a cool storytelling element right here. Just yes. having the two, like you've, we've been going through these two different timelines, and now to have them kind of can, in, in a way, converge at the same spot. Yeah. It was so neat. I I loved it, it's man. I so, really, really loved it. Is it is really neat that the storylines are converging and they actually have, um, Stoko has actually put a point that we are focused on to converge the stories and that is this box. Yes. This box is, we, we don't know what it is and we haven't learned what it is, but both storylines are now connecting at this box. It is now the solution for both storylines. Yeah. So it's like these two stories we've been following, they're both starting to, climax at the same time exactly right things things are picking up speed in both of them the pacing is is going a lot faster um it's very exciting it is very exciting and and basically at this part of the story like with these two timelines going it's going to be i i feel like it's going to be far too confusing to like continue to break down both of the stories at the same time because they now continue to do a lot of um a lot of like multiple stories on the same panel like that that last panel there's other panels where you have something happening to wasi something happening to the other group but they're side by side and you almost can't even tell that it's a different story so yeah i think all you have to do here is say what the plan is in the past because then that's going to feed into what wasi's plan is right now right exactly and then i think we'll just follow wasi's story from here out now the with, plan with one is, with one interjection before that, I would say. Okay. So if I don't do it, then you go ahead yeah, and interject. I'll get to it. Yeah. That. Now the the plan is to uh, the ship is modular, so their plan is to get to one of the modules and separate it from the ship and escape, right? And just basically float and wait and hope that someone can come and pick them up. But at least you're getting away from the aliens. Yeah, and they have to separate it with the explosives that are in this case. Right. Yeah, that's why this, this case, case is so has been so important, important to Wazi. He's been trying to get it throughout the entire comic. Whenever he drops it, he has to go back and get it. Um, it has explosives in it. Right. So what we see, though, is we see Wasi with the case and he gets like at, the aliens are kind of attacking. One of them comes out of a vent at him. And it gets caught under some fallen lockers as it's climbing out of this vent. And he uses one of the explosives in that room to to, to destroy one of the aliens. Yeah. Now, this, this blows a hole in the side of the ship that he gets sucked out of. Yes, true. But he uses his magnetic boots to stick onto the side. Now, I guess he's he's outside on the ship and... The other alien comes out as well, and he detonates the explosive on the module to separate the module from the ship, the main ship, but they're both on the outside of it in space, and this alien um, gets gets damaged from this um, separation, like the explosion somehow damages the alien he's got like one of his arms is ripped off and some of his some of his face is ripped off. Yeah, man, fucker's like blown in half. He is, yeah, but he didn't stop him. No, didn't slow him no, down at going. all. He's still coming, right, for Wasi. So Wasi ends up finding this compartment that has oxygen tanks, and he grabs one of these oxygen tanks. The alien comes over. A couple drops of the alien's acid leaks onto the tank yeah, cool. and just ex- explodes. Very cool. Big, big blast. 
uh, and it throws the alien off of the ship. But Wasi had already clipped on to the uh, module, so he's stuck onto it, so he didn't get blasted off. Yeah, I, and- I love that they use the uh, alien's blood um, to be like sort of the thing that ends up killing him and it ends up allowing Wazi to defeat him. Ah, it's so cool. It's so cool. And that-, and, and that whole part where they're fighting on the side of the ship, it's like, I don't know, it's like seven or eight pages, right? It's like no no dialogue, just seven or eight pages of of action. And yeah. I think I think this is the best the art is in the entire book. I could any one of these panels could be the best panel in the book. Yeah, and it's all it all goes so fast. Like you're yeah. you're turning the page so fast it's so exciting i kept going back again because i was confused but i mean i oh, it's so it's so good yeah now wasi makes his way back into the module and he gets a warning oxygen critical mainline breach section 13 four hours two minutes left and then it ends amazing tim this is amazing. an amazing ending because now now that he's on this section that blew off like he, what he's he's done with the alien right he's in the section that blew off he blew the alien out of space but he's still on a timer he's fucked these, now these these movies are all about surviving and surviving yeah. a time like it, yeah. it it's gonna inevitably you're going to be killed so it's yeah. it's a number that you gotta you got to survive and escape in that timeline. And I love it. I love that there's a countdown throughout this book. And I love that we end on a countdown. Right. He <laughs> he, he makes it out of the first countdown. Yeah. Right into another countdown. And it's the exact same time. Like the first countdown was, was four hours and three minutes. Yeah. And this one is four hours and two minutes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he, he just bought himself another four hours. Like I, it's it's cool. I love it. It's cool. But he he did in, in the final, is this what you were going to say? In the in the final like uh, escape sequence there, when he's trying to run away from one of the aliens, he sees a, a carton of cigarettes and he's able to grab uh, the carton of cigarettes nice. no, to bring with them. Yeah. So when he's on this module, he's got a full case of cigarettes, yeah. which so is all he really wants. He's got like. a long time before he needs to do anything, before he needs to care. He can just keep well, he's got, smoking those cigarettes. He's got four hours to smoke a carton of cigarettes. Yeah. No, the one thing I was going to say is. Um, right before he gets blown out into space on the other, like on the outside of the ship, that's where we end the past storyline. And it ends with him running in to, uh, the observation deck and park running with like right behind him and an alien bursts out in front of her and he wants to let her in, but it's taking too long and he knows he needs to save himself. And he closes that observation deck door. And yeah. that's why I think he's sitting there just smoking. He's like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm not going to look at this warning. I just need to sit here and smoke all the cigarettes that are here. And as soon as he runs out of cigarettes, that's when he's like, okay, maybe I'll go do something. But mm-hmm. he's been sitting in that observation deck since that moment. So that's where the storylines kind of, that, that's where we get to the beginning of the comic is when right. he runs into that observation deck. Right. Yep. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, one of the things I still want to talk about is that at the end of of the book, so the book is done, yeah, but we get eight penciled pages from an alien's pitch that James made. Yeah. And it is incredible. I know how you said earlier, like he did a a, a great job with the alien style yeah. in this book, but seeing these eight pages of pencils, 
damn, I want to read his Aliens book because it is insane. Totally, man. Now, like he loves again, he loves these aliens in the Marines, right? So this this wasn't even part of a pitch for like this go around of comic. This is something he started developing when he was younger, just because he loved aliens so much. Yeah. And he just did like eight, I don't know how many pages, he shows us eight of them, but he comments at the bottom of each page and he's, he's saying what's going on. Really, really, really cool. And to include that type of content in this book was like, I just find that a very generous thing to do. Like you've got this art from your past, which is excellent. And you just throw it in there for, for like you and you and I to look at yeah. and just, you know, gush over. Damn, was it cool. Like some totally. of those, some of those pages, what was going on in some of those pages, talk about the best pages in the book. Those were some of them and they weren't even colored. Yeah. And it's a, it's a perfect spot to put it because you get to the end of this, which is counting down another timer that you started this comic with a timer. And I'm just keep pressing next. I'm like, next page, next page. Let's go. Like, let's keep this story going. It's, it can't be over now. Like, let's go. And then you get to these eight pages of, again, just amazing artwork. I think this guy is incredible. He, I, I've heard his process before when dealing with licensed material, because he's done Godzilla comics too as well, which are also incredible. The only Godzilla comics I will read um, are the ones he works on, but just because the art is amazing. He's, he's said his process is that he has something in his mind of how he thinks it should look like. And what that is, is usually very similar to what he knows. So he he thinks, okay, alien, I know exactly what that looks like. I will make that ship look exactly like it did an alien. I will make those Marines look exactly like they do in aliens. But then he's like, when the pencil hits the paper, I it, it turns out way different than I thought in my head because my style just comes through. And I think that's what makes it so special is that in his mind, he's trying to make it like the original. He's trying to make it look like that. But he knows his style is just going to bleed through and make it super unique. And that is what I love about it. I love his take on really anything. When he's doing like superhero comic covers, I just want to see what he draws the Hulk like. Like it's just fascinating, his art. It is, yeah. I would say that if you play this book out... In chronological order, it is more of a dry, kind of bland, typical alien story that we already know, and it's fun to watch more, or I should say read more. But in this case, it wouldn't be a big like jaw dropper for me to, to read it in that fashion. So for him to figure out this other way of doing it, like yeah. having these two stories intertwined at the same time, is such a smart way of doing it. That it just added so much to the book for me. Yeah. Um, again, I read it these three times because I couldn't figure it out, but I wanted to. Like, I wasn't yeah. frustrated with it. I was just like, what is going on? And I need to understand. Well, for the listeners, I needed to understand what this book was about so I could help you, like, share what what this, what this all was happening and how awesome this book was. Um, but I, I really love digging into this one um, and figuring out what like exactly what everything was yeah and that's i think that's exactly probably how he approached it because he wanted to do this action aliens comic and they told him no like make it more similar to alien so he had to think okay i gotta pull it back to this slow type story with this feel that you you know you get to know the characters just by how they're talking to each other and just how they like interact interact and you want to make it kind of blue collar um but then how am i going to make it 
you know, super exciting? How am I going to make it so that it's different than Alien and it's not just a rehash of it? And that's where he comes up with, okay, you know, two stories at once, two colors to differentiate the two stories. Like it, it is actually genius. Twin aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Two alien, twin aliens. It's, it's, exactly. on, it's on twos. Hey, it's on twos. Totally. Yeah. It's, I think he is, yeah, a great comic book creator. Um, I love him. I love the guy. I can't say enough it's about exceptionally, him. exceptionally well thought out. Yeah. And the fact that he did everything on the book is insane. Yep. So let's get to what if. Let's do it. All right, Dean, this is the part of the show where we speculate on what if something else happened, this or that. We're not trying to make the book better. We're just trying to start a bit of a conversation. So this is a safe place for ideas. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna give my ideas. It's safe. I'm going to let them fly. Sometimes I just it's shut safe. you down with what ifs because I love the content so much that I'm like, you're stupid. Your what ifs dumb. I know. You do that sometimes. I'm sorry I do that. I listen back to our episodes sometimes. I'm like, I'm such an asshole in this what if. I forgive you. That's why I start every what if now by making sure I say it's a safe place for ideas. Yeah. So people don't don't misunderstand don't what I'm trying to you. do. They're like, no, yeah. the thing I love is perfect. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's the thing with a lot of these a lot of the content we cover, there's definitely no way to make it better. Yeah. Right? And 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 if if we said something, it would just be like, Well, that just makes it worse. Like, why would you why would we even want to talk about that? Because we just talked about the perfect movie. So um, sometimes it's difficult for me to come up with these scenarios, and I appreciate it when people don't yell at me. Okay, got completely so. open mind today, Tim. I'm not yelling at I, you. I'm in a great mood. I, I, I think I like this one, though. I'm okay. in a great mood, too. Okay. I think I like this one. What if the book was one issue longer? Ooh, good What's one. that issue? Good one, good yeah, one. What does it look like? Because I'll, I'll preface it with this. When Wasi is on the module, Captain Hassan is still alive on the ship. He's on the wall, but he's still alive. And Rook is still alive. Now, so what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to figure out where we are on the ship. We've blasted off, like, right? We've separated from the ship. Are we in the same section that the captain is? We might be. I don't think we are. We aren't anymore? I, okay. I don't think so. I think Wasi is on a module floating currently alone. Yeah. But on the other ship... That is, um, like, is still suffering from massive damage, but is a very large ship, so yeah. it could take a while for it to to break down completely if it even does. But the captain's there, and we never got to see. I don't think what we never got to see Rook die. Right. I think they we never got to see something death. though about Rook. I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't remember. Okay, so I'm and we watch. have we have the crew members yeah. from the original ship that are unspoken for. Yeah. Now right. I I would I would like to think. Well, I'll let you go first. Okay, so I had I had time to think about my idea. Yeah, my what answer. what I would say is so I'm not going to say that you know and another issue is dumb because the ending's perfect because I'm not going to say it. we know the ending's perfect. This is a safe space to talk. So if we don't have this countdown, I think you got to take the countdown out of there if this isn't going to be the end and keep the countdown for the next end of the ne next issue because I love the, how that ends on that. Or leave it in. Have the end of the next one a countdown as well. That's a, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. Keep the count. So, the countdowns are fun. Yeah. So I like him thinking that he's safe, blasted off, separated the ship, um, blasted that alien into space. I like that there's another one on here. 
Like I like that the the section that he blasted off, have There's him smoking, there. have him taking it easy, and give me like give me the end of Alien where Ripley thinks she's kind of safe at the end until that alien is actually in in the room she is in and she's got to do something about it. I love that type of ending where the, the character feels a little bit relaxed, can like let their guard down a bit because they think they did it, and then that alien's still there. So that's what I right. would like out of this last issue if there was another one. He's here, right. he's smoking his cigarettes, he's working his way through that that carton, and, you know, something happens. Another alien happens, like another alien drops down somewhere, or he just even notices it off in the distance, and he has to make a decision. Am I going to finish this carton of cigarettes, or am I going to do something about it? Am I going to try to get out of here? Right. Yeah. I like that. I would, I would like to see Wasi somehow turn that module around and go back and just save the captain yeah. and get back on either that module or another module. But I, I don't even think anything scary needs to happen. I think it would be really scary if you had no dialogue, just him kind of sneaking through the ship, hoping that there's no aliens there and may, maybe none of them even find him, but he's able to free the captain and maybe get back on a module and same ending as we have, except it's him and him and another person. Yeah. And then, then you get a bit of this interest as to, well, you know, does could the captain possibly have an alien inside him? Like, what did what did Wasi just do by saving him? Like, what what's what's the outcome going to be? I find it a little bit more interesting, a little bit more dynamic with two people rather than one. Yeah, you know, like like the ending of the thing, for example, where you have two guys sitting there. Uh, a little bit more interesting than if it was just one sitting there. So, uh, I thought that might be fun, just to just to, yeah. and give Wasi that moment too. Like he knows the captain is still alive, right? Give him he he hasn't really been he's been a bit of a hero in this book, but at the same time, not really. And this would have been a really good character moment for him to see him actually turn that around and go and try to help out. I really like that. Um, that's a great point about the thing having two sit there. Like the ending of that movie is so perfect having the two guys sit there and being like, do they both have it? Does one of them have it? Doesn't do neither of them have it. I would like something like that at the, like another issue like that. Um, in this book, I'm with you. I want to see him save the captain. And I'd, I would have been down for one more issue. And give us another fun. countdown. Yes. Sitting with the captain, because then we're like, wait, yeah. wait, wait, is the countdown for when the captain's going to explode out of his chest? Oh, like, right. You're like, yeah, nice. what is this countdown about? Um, I'm totally down with that. I, I like the two guys sitting there. That's a, that's a really good point. Even though like aliens kind of classically ends on, uh, on one person, like lone survivor, um, at least alien does. Right. So, uh, I, I get why you're, go I get why they go with that, where he goes with the one guy, but, uh, I would like, I would like to see the captain. The captain was a good guy and the captain was a good guy to Wazi. right? Wazi wanted to go yeah, off and drink was. and the captain's like, no, 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 you can't do that. You're the smartest guy we got on the ship. We need you. We need you, man. He's kind of like makes him better. So uh, yeah, I would like those. Yeah, the captain was a good guy. Yeah, he did a lot of good things in that book. So I, 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 I don't know how I don't know how I feel about him just being left on that ship like that. I know now. Now I'm like a little sad about it. Um, I kind of want. I like. I want to draw in him. The captain just sitting with Wazi here. Like that would be a nice ending. I like that. He should have saved him somehow. Yeah. All right, great, Dean. Thank you for joining this week. Yeah, man. Thank you. I'm going to uh, go listen to some more John Denver. Cool. I'm going to listen to some more uh, Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time. That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers. So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are cool. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.